This is Motivated by Happiness. Welcome back to Motivated by Happiness. Today, I have Alex, who is currently my editor for the podcast. Luckily, she does it for free, so I don't have to hire anyone. <laughs> I should learn how to do it, but yeah, so if it's you want to say hi. Yeah, hi. Don't feel too bad. I feel like if you don't have the proper equipment, it's it's kind of really hard. Not that you can't edit on GarageBand, because I certainly have, but it's a lot easier <laughs> with um, better stuff. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, and the cool thing is you've already paid for all of it, so it's... <laughs> exactly, yeah. I've already done all the grunt work. Yeah, it and- does It does add up, because you think like, oh, a plug-in here, a plug-in there. It's like, oh, it's only 30 This one's only $30. Not bad. And then like, it really just starts compiling. I just got this new microphone. I'm really excited about it. This is my first time using it. Um, but uh, yeah, and even that's like a lower end like studio microphone. And like, I was just listening. I was like, you know, when you're buying a new microphone, you listen to, you com- do a lot of comparison, like a being online and you just hear them and you're like, oh, I really like this one. And then you like google it and you're like oh it's twelve hundred dollars never mind <laughs> like, <laughs> like, <laughs> so <laughs> but yeah uh no, thanks for having me on <laughs> of course and and i totally understand that because part of what i've been doing with this whole journey is like i want to document myself and so i'm trying to figure out how to edit like videos soon yeah because i want to do a document style of like because you know I weigh like 250 pounds right now, which is not healthy. And I really want to like document myself going to the gym. But the thing is, the gym costs a lot of money. And I know it's yeah. not comparable when it comes to like audio stuff and it like recording, up. but it adds up exactly. Like yeah. today, I paid full at the gym so I could pay for a whole year, which is the cheapest option, but still. What gym do you go to? Uh, it's called Fit Factory. Uh, I did. Uh... Oh, God. I did one of those ten dollar a while, month gyms. I yeah, I haven't gone since the <laughs> pandemic. I did one of those like ten dollar a month ones, and it was actually pretty good. Like no, I no. went at really odd hours because it's like a twenty four hour gym, so yeah. I would just go at like eleven p.m., um, which is when I'm the most motivated to work out. <laughs> I mean, I think that's the beauty of working out. It's everyone's finding their own time, but yeah, it's ten dollars a month, but I pay full because then I didn't have to pay an extra fifty dollars. So. Oh, yeah. No, it's better to do it that way. Yeah, yeah. So then, so that, I spent that, and then when I was working out today to find my maxes, which I've only gone actually down like 10, 15 pounds for my maxes before when I was working out. Mm-hmm. So honestly, not bad. Very proud of myself. But I went to the, I went to Dick's today to buy, you know, equipment, like yeah. a belt and wrist, wrist locks. And oh, nice. So like, I'm going for it, and I don't have a problem, but just like that, you know, yeah. a quarter of a thousand's gone. So like, yeah, it, <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. I, uh, after I graduated, so when I was a teenager, I did, uh, this, I did like 10, I, I was a tennis player and, um, I did coaching and stuff and I got to do private. I, I, uh, that was my job for like years, um, uh, was like coaching and private lessons and stuff. Um, but then when I went to undergrad, I stopped doing that mostly because I got, I had like a arm injury, which is why you want to take rest days. You are not invincible, no matter how fit you are. Just a lesson <laughs> learned. Um, and um, 
But I like gained a lot of weight because I was eating the same as I was before, but I, I wasn't exercising anymore. So obviously calories in, calories out, as they say. Um, <laughs> so, but then after undergrad, like I, I like work, started working out and stuff again, um, which is cool because I, I had never really been at a point where I was like a beginner before and and now I suddenly was a beginner in like everything and so it was really cool like relearning how to do like push-up a (laughs) pull-up like you know simple things like I never really had to think about like I could always just do push-ups like that was never a thing I never had to think about it and now I like remember the first time I tried to do one and I couldn't even I couldn't even do one and I was like oh my god like I literally had to like relearn all this stuff which I for me was fun because I knew that I could do it before Um, so it was like, it's not a matter of like, oh, will I be able to, it's just a matter of when. So it was just cool. Like learning the process. I relearned how to run. Um, I did like couch to 5k running app when the pandemic hit. Um, so I got to relearn how to run a a 5k, which was like one of the best workout experiences ever. Um, so yeah, just stuff like that. Like I've, I've really enjoyed, I just started the hero's journey workout, um, I'm going to do until it warms up and then I can do, um, r- go back to running. Mm-hmm. But, um, that I just started it literally yesterday was my first day. And I'm just like, I was just like, wow, like this is so, like, this is fun because I am so bad at this now. <laughs> and like <laughs> soon I'll be better. Like, yeah. so yeah, but I mean, I always find it interesting when you start new things, it gets really exciting because you're finding all these new things. You're not good at it. You're trying new stuff. And then every single time, not like when it comes to working out, but I feel like every single time you start something new, you are in such a mojo role, right? And then all yeah. of a sudden you hit a wall and then it just becomes like to the point where it's like too difficult, not in working out. Cause I feel like you slowly progress with working out, but like even when I'm playing video games or something like that, like, I'll get to such a skill gap that I have to put more effort into the game to go further. Yeah. Or I'm just, and it's like, do I really want to put more effort into a certain thing? Like, obviously with working out, it's, I think it's different because when it comes to working out, as long as you slowly progress rather than jump. Yeah. Then, then you're moving. I mean, when I first started this past week, I started Tuesday morning and i went in thinking like oh i could do what i want i used to do right so i yeah. so i was like oh you let me can't. just do what i used to do <laughs> and i still feel like my triceps and stuff like that from the first time i worked out because i pushed myself too hard and i like mm-hmm. realized that that just wasn't like what is it, sustainable yeah yeah that's that's, that's the thing like that's the key with working out it's all and and diet and everything like anything with health that has to be sustainable like i'm guilty of that too like i'll try and do too much at once um because i'm like oh i used to be able to do this it should be no problem now and then i i can't do it and it's like for me like um like i uh we're uh, our coworkers. um well we were i i'm on leave now but um oh. yeah that's a the thing that happened last week Um, but I was waitressing for like a year. So, um, so I was like on my feet all the time and I was getting like 15,000 steps a day and, and that kind of thing. So I didn't really feel that bad about not doing any like body weight fitness and that kind of thing, because I was like already, I was being active. So, um, but 
Like, obviously, like if you're just walking all the time, your muscle definition goes down. And I was doing a lot of running last year, so I didn't really have a lot of like muscle definition. So like now I, since I went on leave um, and it's too cold to run outside and I refuse to run on a treadmill, I, uh, I'm doing like muscle body weight fitness. And my big thing when I was picking a workout routine, I have two things that I need to work out or anything I realized. Like one is like a concrete goal. Like I have to have a goal. And then the second is it has to be sustainable. So like for me, like, I did the workout yesterday and there's like three levels. There's like beginner, intermediate and expert. So I did intermediate just because I wanted to see if how I felt and I felt fine. So I'll probably stick with that. But um, and then I also today I wanted to make sure I wasn't like too sore mm-hmm. and I wasn't like I'm a bit sore, but not terribly so that I'm like, oh, I, can't, I anything. can't can't work out today. Like I, my body hurts too much. So I'm like, OK, this is a good and if I was too sore, I could just drop down a level and do the beginner yeah. run. Um, but like this time, my my so my last year with the couch to five k, the goal was obvious, like to be able to run a five k. Um, but this time, I was like, have to make a goal for myself. Um, so my goal this time is I'm not gonna do any pull ups um, throughout this routine, and then at the end of the sixty days, I'm going to just see how many I can do in a row. Um, and like there are pull-ups in this routine. You get to like, quote unquote, pick a weapon, which is just like a, you can either like do a lot of running or do like boxing or or like pull-ups and that kind of thing. So that's the one that I chose. But instead of doing actual pull-ups, I'm just going to do um, like reverse pull-ups. Because um, then you can do a lot more in a set. And I think that will be like more beneficial and like, but yeah, and then at the end, I'm just going to do actual pull-ups and see like how many can I do. So for me, I think like going into that, that's like a really concrete goal. So like that is just going to like help me. This is like a super tangent. But <laughs> yeah. No, no, it's good. I mean, I so I've been doing a lot of research when it comes to stuff like this. And I stumbled across a video on the Joe Rogan podcast. Oh, I love him. And- yeah, of course. You, <laughs> yeah, everyone not. does. <laughs> and and there was and there was this guy who does martial arts on there, and I forget his name. This bald guy, really big cheekbones. I don't know anyone's name. <laughs> it's okay. But um, basically, he was talking about when you work out, it's really important to have some flow state style, where when you're working out, it's really important to um find a healthy like balance between working hard, but also consistency because the consistency is the most important part when it comes to working yeah. out right the biggest thing they explained was you should be going 60 70 percent of your max of what your max like effort is because then you're going to find yourself this healthy middle where it's you're still going to be progressing but ever so slightly so you can continuously do it every single day you're planning to go rather than like what i did was i burned out a whole week because i was too sore and so then someone who's smart about working out is going to be able to do their three or four or whatever, how many days, whereas I was only yeah. able to do one. And the reason yeah, why they, yeah, that's it. And the, and the reason why he talks about stuff like that is because when, when you're, let's say you're competing against somebody, right. And you have a competition. The whole idea is the more reps, the more technique, the more stuff you get down, the stronger your base is going to be when it comes to actual competition based stuff. 
rather than if you're burning out every single time you do it and you can train less, right? Compare if, if I was training, let's say like you play tennis, right? Say you work so hard every single day in tennis that you have to take an off day every single day. Yeah, that's not obviously (laughs) you have to take a break. I don't have like there's no problem with that. But the idea is you're going hard every single day. So you have to take those breaks where somebody who is giving 60% of their effort when they do training and they're really working on their swing and the right the right precision of it. So they have that muscle memory going down every single day rather than every other day or every couple days. To yeah. the point that when it comes close to the competition, they they get, still get that match day intensity during a practice when it comes closer, but they have more repetition. They have more hours working out rather than the next person over. So right now I picked up a routine that's like for beginners. And the whole idea is that I'm starting from the baseline of 60% of my max, which I just went to go do. And I'll slowly progress. And even when I finish the the, the routine, I'll go back to the beginning, but I can go back to the beginning at a higher 60% than I was the first. Yeah. That's why my, when I go, I'm going to redo the couch to 5k, uh, once the snow melts, um, because I, I did couch to 5k and then I just, just running in the fall. And then once it got cold, I stopped running because I, again, refused to run on a treadmill, but I'm going to redo it this year. And I'm, I'm really excited because I think like my baseline will be a lot higher than it was last year. Um, and like maybe my time will be a faster, not that I really time myself because I wanted to like enjoy the process rather than like stress about the numbers. That's another yeah. thing. I stress about the numbers too much. So like now I'm just like, <laughs> I'm just, I'm always, I'm like, I got to hit that 10 minute mile. And now I'm just like, ah, who cares? Like, <laughs> So, um, but yeah, no, uh, that is a very smart way of going about it. I can definitely attest that like, yes, but like, even when I was coaching for tennis, like I, I was playing for like six hours a day, but I wasn't playing for six hours a day. Like it was playing for maybe one or two hours a day. And then I would have like, like if I was teaching a beginner, I was mostly just like feeding balls like yeah, and, exactly. and you know working on form or yeah so it was like you you can like I was out in the sun for six hours a day and on my feet but I I really I would only really have like one or two clients in the day that would really make me have to like go uh and play a lot harder <laughs> um yeah. but yeah, no, definitely. That is a very smart way of going about it. And I wish you luck on your workout journey and we can kind of do this together. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And and I do want to see the couch to 5K because I, I it's not that I, I also I personally just hate running. I think running yeah. sucks, but that's also because <laughs> I haven't done it to the point that I like because everyone says the runner's high. And I do think there is a point where there is a runner's high, like you kind of just forget what you're doing and just enjoy yourself. But I haven't got to that point. And I feel like this is a good like beginner way of figuring it out. So like if you could send it to me, that'd be great. Yeah, it's an app that I use and it's free. Um, There's like a bunch of different versions of it. But um, it was really great because I, I growing up, I always had a really big fear of running because I had misdiagnosed vocal cord dysfunction for like my whole life, Um, which mm-hmm is basically like the best way I can describe it is exercise induced asthma where you're fine unless you're exercising or doing like intense cardio, really cardio for me, that was the trigger. And then you get like basically an asthma attack. 
And mm-hmm. the difference between ex- vocal cord dysfunction and exercise-induced asthma is that isn't like the part of your body where it's like triggered, I guess. So like asthma is in your lungs, vocal cord dysfunction is in your vocal tract. So, um, but what happens for most people, because asthma is so much more common is that you get diagnosed with asthma and then you basically, you just find out that the inhalers don't work and then they reevaluate. And so that's basically what happened with me, but I didn't say anything when the inhalers didn't work. Cause I thought there's almost like a kind of placebo when it comes to inhalers. They've done a lot of studies on this. It's a real thing. I'm not just making this up, but, um, that you think that inhalers are working. And so uh, you don't really like, yeah, there's just a placebo effect. So I didn't question it for a while. And I brought it up once, I think. I was like, oh, the inhalers don't really do a lot. So they gave me like an extra thing to go on top of it. And then I was just like, well, it must be working now. Um, (laughs) And then it wasn't until I weirdly, like this freak thing got, um, I I got whooping cough as a a 16 year old. Um, which is like not really a thing that 16 year old and I, I go to a school that requires vaccinations. Yeah. That's, I no, was like, even at 16, that's yeah, like crazy for re- in general. <laughs> yeah. It's weird that a teenager got it and no one else in my school had it. Whooping cough's really contagious. So th- I didn't get diagnosed with whooping cough because even though it sounded like I had whooping cough and I did. My, the doctors were like, I have no idea where you would have gotten this from. <laughs> and like, you've had it for weeks and you haven't given it to anyone. So this can't be whooping cough. And then it was. But, um, but was like, the, way. <laughs> it was just super weird. But, but because I was having like uh, a bunch of, with whooping cough, I guess, I don't, I'm not an expert, but I guess if you don't get medication within like two weeks, then it's like, you can't really treat it. It has to go away on its own. But I was having like because of vocal cord dysfunction, I was having like other like it was kind of mixing and it was giving me um, some like minor issues. Um, and I got referred to a voice therapist um, to just relearn how to breathe, basically. And um, then that's when they took a second look and were like, I don't think you actually have asthma. I think you have this other thing. But at that point, I had had it my whole life, and, like, I was just so afraid of running at that point because, like, every time I'd run, I would get the equivalent of an asthma attack. So I was like, you know, you don't – that's negative reinforcement. You don't want to do it. (laughs) So – but, like, one of the things when I I graduated college is – in college, I really liked doing Spartan races and those kinds of things, but I would always get – vocal cord dysfunction issues and so I just wanted to learn how to run and I wanted to stop being afraid of running and so I was on reddit actually and um people were talking about couch to 5k and I asked I was like I have vocal cord dysfunction I don't know I I kind of want to try this it seems really good but I don't know if it's going to be healthy for me to do and then I got like a ton of comments from people being like I have vocal cord dysfunction too I really like this program I didn't have any issues blah 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 so I was just like okay well I'll try it I'll give it a couple weeks if I have issues I'll stop and I just never did like it was it was awesome like I I like 
at this point, I've also been to voice therapy again. So I've been twice now. And mm-hmm. so I have like all of my breathing problems are very taken care of. And I don't see myself ever having to go back. Um, but yeah, I was just like in the warm up, I would just would do like breathing exercises for like two minutes or however long it is. And then you'd start running and then I would just, I was like totally fine. So I was just like, oh, this is awesome. Like I'm going to do this every year. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I the reason why I feel like it works and of course I'm not an expert is the fact that like it showed you from the beginning because like mm-hmm. even for me when I start running, like since I'm just so out of shape, it's very like obviously I'm sure it's different, but at the same time, like I'm so out of shape that like when I start running, like it's very hard to breathe all of a sudden. Yeah. Just be- and it's like, I think the, pr- I feel like the program, obviously I haven't seen it, but I feel like the program like starts you from such a beginning point yeah, that like it, it teaches you pretty much how to like, it just starts your lungs being able to breathe when you're running, which is such a cool thing. Yeah. It literally starts with you running for 60 seconds, like not sprinting, like jogging, slow yeah. jogging for 60 seconds. And then you walk for 90 seconds. The first day yeah. you do it and you're like, this is so easy. Like I should just skip week one. Like this is too easy, but it's like, no, don't. It's important. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Do. No, no, yeah. I try when I was younger, I tried to start running with my mom. Cause she, she used to be able to do marathons. Then she like broke her toe. And then oh, yeah. she was actually at the Boston marathon that had the bombing, unfortunately, oh, but wow. and she didn't even get to finish, unfortunately, but she's, she's done marathons for the longest time and then had problems with broken toe and like, hasn't gotten a chance to go back of course she wants to but like i used to try and like her running books always were like oh a half a minute on a minute walking and then you slowly progress to more running than walking to the point that you can consistently run for a certain amount of time and then you just completely just keep doing that over and over again to the point that your lungs get used to it and i don't yeah i don't see i don't see a problem with it but i i just hate running (laughs) yeah me too (laughs) I have to like set myself like like if I was gonna do this, I'd have to be like, how long is the program? Like uh, a month? it's like eight. It's eight weeks, I think. But I took like ten weeks because I repeated two of the weeks. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like, yeah, I would just have to like commit myself to doing it. Yeah, and like the I don't have that, a. The thing that helps though is it's only three days a week for a half hour, about a half hour at a time. Yeah. So it's like it's hard to ex- make excuses because you're like. It's three days a week for 30 to 40 minutes, depending on how fast you run. Yeah. I I mean, (laughs) I could probably, what I could probably do, honestly, is put it as my rest days workout when I'm doing my my three-day-a-week one for the next, you know, 12 weeks. Yeah. My rest day could be, like, just going for the runs. I I guess it's a good idea. So I'll I'll probably start doing that because it's three days of rest, three days of running. And, and my thing is, like, when I started it, I was like, you know, I'll give it a couple weeks. I honestly wasn't planning on finishing it. I was just, I was like, I just want to be able to run a mile. I'm like, yeah. then I'm going to probably stop. <laughs> um, but I, like, I gave it a couple weeks, and then I, 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 I still don't, like, love running. Like, running isn't something I'm like, I wake up and I'm like, oh, I'm so excited to go for a run today. Like, I've, I've, I don't, I'm not that kind of person, but Uh, The benefits of running, I don't necessarily get like runners high. It's more of just like, I sleep so much better. My moods are so much better. Like mental health is just gets so much better. And like, 
So it's like all of those other benefits make me justify like I have a half hour three times a week to do this. Yeah, yeah. So and yeah. And also when it comes down to it, like doing these types of things are just like you said, it's good for sleep. Like when I when I've been when I used to work out, I would go at 6 a.m. at school and like I yeah. would just have Damn. a good night's sleeps. Like, yeah. And you, again, like you said, the, the mood's better and everything. But I feel like when it comes to running, you just like. I don't know. It can be when a little monotonous. Running, huh? It can be a little monotonous. Yeah. But but the thing is, the way I see working out and running and stuff like that is it's it's not the beginning. No one wants to go work out, right? Yeah. It's not the idea of working out that feels so great. It's the idea of what the benefit, like you said, like you weren't obsessed with running. You were obsessed with the benefit. Yeah. I like the gym because when I'm done with the gym, I feel like I'm on such a high, right? Yeah. Like I, I go to the gym. Because after the gym, I feel great. Not because while I'm at the gym, I feel great. It's it's literally the post. And then I feel like every time you go to the gym, right? When you're doing your workouts, you you feel like you're actually stronger than you actually are because you just your your muscles are having blood going through them and everything. Yeah, it's it's great. Yeah, I know so, you feel. Yeah, I to, I totally relate to all of that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and so I know we kept going on uh, exercising. And I kind of got sidetracked from the the beginning aspect of the show, but oh yeah, but I, yeah, as you <laughs> as you can tell, since you edit most of my stuff, um, I really want people who are listening to fully understand who I am. And since everyone who's listening and you and I and anyone in the whole world, when someone asks you to describe yourself, it's very difficult to describe yourself to someone. Right. So, so I like when people they people I like when people like come on and they explain like what their first impressions of me because first impressions although they aren't everything but they like kind of dictate how you see someone so yeah <laughs> you want to share your first impression sure um to yeah so I I met you because we both worked at the same restaurant um so my first impression to be honest I can't remember like the first time I met you um, because there's so many people that work there. Um, but I, I really like, like you are, you work for the host team and I really like the host team. Um, like I, I, I like people, I guess. So, um, when you started work there, like <laughs> I just wanted to get to know you because I like having more friends and you seem like a really nice person, very chill, personable. Like that's kind of the vibe I got. Um, and especially when, uh, it was a bit slower, uh, those lunch shifts, whereas uh, very slow. It's always oh nice God. to have someone to, yeah. <laughs> it's always nice to have someone to talk to. So, um, And we do have quite a bit in common. So, um, yeah, was, I, I, I was just like, ah, oh, I want to be friends with this person. <laughs> like, that was just my, my and goal. And there you are. And now, now you're yeah. helping me out on this podcast. Yeah. Yeah, I know when I you mean, mentioned that you wanted to do the podcast, I was like, I was like, oh, I'll edit, like, because because uh, most of uh, most of what I do for the podcast is just compression and like negating like any room resonance, uh, those nasty frequencies, or like you know a touch of EQ. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't really have, I don't really do a lot of, I don't have like a good. Uh, I have a deep breath plugin, but to be honest, I, do, I don't use it. I don't really like it, but yeah. um, well, I, I, it's... yeah, there's like a, 
a plugin that I use that kind of quiets down things that aren't the voice. Um, I'm spacing on what it's called, but if you work on audio, you know what I'm talking about. It's it's okay. It's it's just like when I hear like I turned it off because I don't need it as much when I'm recording audio rather than if you're singing. But my mic has a feature and most do where like it plays it into your ear at the same time. Oh yeah. And mine doesn't even have any delay, but like I hate it because when I would like record, I just hear myself breathing 24 (laughs) seven when I'm just listening to someone and it just got, it just bothered me so much. But no, as I keep saying to you and for everyone else, like I'm very grateful. Alex, like, has oh, saved yeah, me so much help. time when it comes to the podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not like I I don't do I don't go like too heavy handed, um, and I don't need that. <laughs> but um, yeah, I like it's it's been cool because I I usually just work with like instruments and and sounds and stuff like sound effects and that kind of thing. So there are a lot of things that I don't really do a lot with. Like one of the big things that this podcast I've been kind of practicing with this podcast is. DSing. So if you don't know what that is, that's if I say the word like said, you have this at the beginning of the word said. And in microphones, those S's and fricative noises can sound like really harsh. Yeah, and now you're gonna have to edit that. Nice. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> one of the cool things is like I have like four DS or plugins like from Waves and stuff, but I never really use them. And I've never really learned how to use them because I haven't really had to. Um, I just had like my go-to DSer that I just slap on things. And then usually I'm just working with like a two-minute or three-minute segment <laughs> of singing. So if there was an S that I really didn't like, I would just go into like Melodyne and just quiet it down myself. Like actually physically quiet the S sound. Um, but since this is such a long form of audio you can't really individually do those kinds of things so i've actually been able to go into these DSers that i've bought and like <laughs> learn, yeah actually use them and and like kind of just learn because like which ones work better for which voices like for the last episode i had one DSer that i've i've for your audio, I've mostly I haven't touched your uh, bus chain in like a couple weeks. Um, it's just I I kind of just copy and paste the new audio in, and then that's pretty much it. I don't touch it really. But um, like I have you, the DSer that I like for you, and then I I put the same one on the guest, and I didn't like it. And so then I had to go in and find a different one. And I'm like, oh, I like this one for just the way that he's pronouncing his sh sound. <laughs> just sounds better. <laughs> so it's just been a lot of stuff like that. Just uh, It's been cool practice, I would say. Um, That's good. Yeah. I also think, like, it's just crazy to me that, like, I, I've met people that can help me in this way. Like, you, you're helping me with this front. And I, again... I'm never going to stop thanking you because it's amazing that <laughs> yeah. you're even doing this. Yeah, no problem. But like my girlfriend, Olivia, I keep saying my girlfriend and I just feel like it's so annoying and tacky and I don't know. But <laughs> fine. My, my girlfriend, Olivia, she like her sisters are just like two people that are very well versed in like different scenes. Like one of them is a um, a fashion marketer, I believe she works. She does a lot of fashion stuff and she wants to do sustainable stuff. And I feel like would be beneficial in the future. 
if I ever go down the road of making stuff, I feel like it'd be cool to work with her. Yeah. But the other cool, the other cool person, her other sister, I don't know what I'm even saying at this point, but her other sister, she's a graphic designer. And so she was able to help me make my logo. And I have other things that I'm prepared to use for like merch and stuff like that down the line that I think are really, really cool. Yeah. And, that's like, awesome. And it's great. since. It is awesome. And and the fact that like I know her and she's my girlfriend's sister is great because she does it for me to for free as well. And and the cool thing is like with this, with you and with her, it's like you guys can put this on your portfolio as something you've like learned and practiced and stuff like that that you might not normally get if you're doing like with your music and her just doing stuff at school. Like this is like an extra thing she has to do. So I think it's really cool that I have people that can benefit off of me as much as I can benefit off. Yeah. Of them, so, yeah, no, I like, and that's the thing like with music is uh, a lot of like this kind of stuff, like more creative fields. It's um, like everyone pretty much who gets into it, pretty much everyone gets free help in the beginning. Like for me, that was, um, I was working at the studio Kung Pao um, while I was interning. I wasn't working there, but I, I got into interning there because, um, I like the whole story with that is um, he messaged me on Facebook, this guy that I went to high school with. We weren't really friends, but we had mutual friends, but I didn't really like know him that well. Um, And yeah. And he, he DM me and was like, Oh, um, like, did you, do you play the flute? Like, do I remember that correctly? And I was like, yeah. Um, And he was like, well, I have, um, I have a project. I need a flute player. Um, if you're interested, uh, you can just take the train out here and I'll pick you up. And I was just kind of like, I was like, I don't really know if I want to do this. Like, I don't really know this guy too well. And then, but I was just like, yeah, sure. What the heck? And so I was just like, well, I'm not a professional. Like I, I played in, in my college orchestra, but I'm not by no means like a expert flute player. And he was like, no, no, it's easy. I promise. I was like, okay. And then he was like, cool. It's for Disney by the way. And then, so I did that project with it, yeah. So, um, so I went to his place and I, just I got over my that's crazy. Yeah, no, that's literally what it was because he couldn't tell me who it was for until I said yes. Um, and so then I did the the recording, and it was my first time ever being in a studio, and I just thought, I mean, it, first of all, it's, I'm recording for a Disney film so that's cool enough and then the second I'm also like in a a recording studio which is super cool so I just stayed in touch with the guy and um like when I would come home for school vacations I would go over there and like he helped me like like he taught me like so many basic stuff um like he taught me you know like stupid things like how to properly wrap a cable like there's a technique to it um and like technique it's over under you you wrap it over under if you you can look it up um but (laughs) (laughs) yeah stupid for me to explain to you (laughs) too basic but like things like how to you know rig a guitar amp and and those kinds of things uh and when i decided that i wanted to make a portfolio and apply for grad school um, because I didn't like where my career was headed after undergrad. I he helped me like um like 
learn the basics of just putting of doing like very very basic editing like I just went over to his studio and we spent a night and he like showed me how to properly um edit like drums and vocals and that kind of thing and like very rudimentary because I was a total beginner and so the the recording now is like I've I I am since I'm replacing it with better um mixes but it was it got me into grad school and like it was it was really great and then I had that experience like and he just did that for free um and like then I had that experience and I was able to like yeah go to school and like apply for jobs at other studios and stuff like that but like most people in creative fields like have something like that where they want to do something, have literally no idea how to do it, don't have the skills. And then like you have other people who are like, hey, I can just help you out. It's like paying it forward, you know? <laughs> That's actually, no, it, it's cool. And the next thing I really have to learn, I'm trying to teach myself is I want to make, I want to make like a docu-series of like me working out because I feel like with a lot of things on YouTube, you really have to find what is hasn't been done, but in a field that's been done. If that makes sense. Yeah. Right. Like, cause you have to, you have to find your own niche within another niche. So, yes. So besides for like the podcast, I want to do stuff on YouTube because I feel like YouTube's forever. And, <laughs> yeah. and so I'm trying to figure out how to do video editing. That's what I'm going to do this week. But when I go to the gym, I'm going to record myself so I can make different video montages of me doing like workouts, but then also add them to like, the video and stuff like that and so i'm trying to figure out what <laughs> what software to use i'm going to probably record someone doing like basketball or something and, like just practice myself doing it but yeah that's the next thing i have to learn because it's kind of hard to find someone who wants to do who knows how to do video editing right now so yeah i have like when i got logic i where i do audio from logic pro x which is a mac um piece of software and um when I bought logic I well like I I already knew that I wanted it I tried out a couple different ones and I liked logic the best um I don't know if it's because I was using GarageBand before but I who knows but I liked logic the best but uh, when I actually bought it it was because they were having like a bundle um, where it was like a student bundle where they, you could buy, you could pay like 200 bucks and you get logic, you get final cut pro, you get main stage, like a bunch of applications. Um, so I, I did that cause it was a great deal. So I have like final cut and stuff, but like, I, aside from editing a few memes, uh, <laughs> I, I don't really, I'm not super well versed in it. It was just kind of like an add on to logic pro. Um, yeah. I wish I, I don't had know a if Mac they still though, do the this. bundle. Yeah. The thing with like Apple is like it it sucks. Side. Yeah, it sucks because like it, it, their programs only work on Apple, so it's like I'm basically married to this company. Like but it's also it's also like the way I view computer software's excuse me is like mm-hmm or computer operating systems is if you want to be a creative, right? Like the next computer I get will probably have to be a Mac. If I continue down this road, yeah. right? 
because because Macs are all about being creative. You have so many things for video editing. You have so many things for audio editing. And then when it comes to the like a PC or like uh, Windows operating system, like they have a lot of stuff, but it's like nowhere close to the same, in my opinion. Like it's way more difficult on this side of things to like have everything available. Yeah, I think. Um... I th- well, I think now, like, PCs have a lot of, like, they have pretty good, like, video editing and stuff. And, like, I know, like, for audio, they have, like, um, you know, Mac always had Logic, and for PC, it was always, like, Final Cut. And so there's, like, good competitors. But I think the big thing is, like, Mac audio and video editing softwares tend to be cheaper than the PC versions. And, but and easier uh, to work with yeah and and a lot easier like logic is considered one of the most user-friendly uh, pieces of software and i've worked in a couple DAWs now and i think studio one is just as comparable in terms of usability to to logic um but it's just i think studio one has a different uh user base i would say um is more for i would use it more for like live sound recording versus like if you wanted to work in like electronic music or something like that Mm -hmm. but studio one if you want to get the full version of studio one that's a thousand dollars if you want to get the full version of logic that's two hundred dollars same thing if you want to get like pro tools if you want to get the full version of that that's over a thousand dollars i don't know what they charge for it now it's ridiculous though that's crazy i refuse to buy i'll have to buy it at some point because it's the industry standard but like yeah i mean and that's not to say that there aren't good like reaper is a free is a free audio workstation yeah um or you can pay thirty dollars if you want to like support the brand but you don't have to um but it's like it's it's not the most like user friendly thing, but it definitely works. Um, but yeah, it's just and then the trade off is now Macs are just so expensive. So yeah. your the the actual platforms are like cheap, but like you're paying for the computer, so it exactly. all kind of evens out in the end. So it's it's a lose lose. It's really <laughs> yeah. I mean that's that's how a lot of things like this work, but um. Another thing I really want to dive deep in is like, I mean, obviously you shared the part where you, you play tennis, you gone through the working out and stuff like that. But like, what types of like stuff did you have to go through to get to a certain point where you are now? Yeah. Um, so I did. Yeah. So I, a teenager, I was super into fitness, did tennis and stuff. Um, I really liked working with, with kids and, um, I was always very good at it. Um, so when I went to college, I wanted to do, I wanted to be a chemistry teacher. So I like chemistry. I liked working with teens. So it seemed like a good, uh, good thing. Um, but I was not good at chemistry. <laughs> I was very bad at it. Um, and my, I went to Boston University, so they, their chemistry program, it works on a, a weed out basis. So it's like, Oof. um, it's all on a curve. So basically there's 800 students or 900 students that go into the program and about the first semester. And then the second semester, only about like 400 students go in. Jeez. So it's all on a curve. So from every exam, half half of the way through the score, 
and up they pass and then halfway and down they fail. That's basically how it works. Um, so the grading system's pretty whack. I mean, I get why. Like, I can't fault them. I didn't particularly like it, but I I was not in the top half of students. Um, and I kind of had to change gears. Um, and I also realized uh, that I didn't, I, I like working with people, but they don't necessarily have to be kids. Um, mm-hmm. And in fact, I don't like working in large classrooms of kids or like large groups. Where'd you um, learn that? I did for education, you have to do like pre-practicums, which is where they put you in the classroom. Um, mm-hmm. You're not like the teacher of the classroom. You're more of like helping out the teacher. But you mm-hmm. do work with like students a lot, obviously. So um, I, 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 it was fine, but I couldn't see myself doing it six hours a day every day for the rest of my life. Exactly. That's 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 yeah. where I get turned off with. Like I love I love the idea of teaching. Yeah. But then when it comes, the the biggest criticism I hear from the majority of people I've heard from is that it's super repetitive. Yeah, it it is. It's yeah. I mean, kudos to people who can do it. I honestly gave him my best shot, but I just it wasn't for me. And at the end of the day, that was that was it. Mm-hmm. So I kind of had to change tactics. Um, I got in. I really liked at that point. I was into beatbox. I was got really into beatboxing. Um, I started competing for that. I started going to like American Champs and and uh, North American beatbox competitions and stuff. So, um, wait, you can beatbox? That's yeah, I did it semi professionally for a while. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, yeah, hey, what's the I, best noise you can make? Um, I'll do like the noise that everyone always really likes. Um, is that i have a friend who does it but like not even like professionally like he just does it for fun like he does acapella oh yeah the like that kind of stuff yeah yeah, but that's great holy crap yeah like there's like i feel like no one knows that that's like your secret (laughs) no yeah no one really knew that at uh the restaurant but yeah i can do um the thing that always blows people's minds is um as a girl like no one thinks that you can do like low sounds but um you can do like Like, <laughs> oh my god <laughs> that's crazy we should yeah. just change my intro to that jeez <laughs> yeah so um yeah i did oh that <laughs> okay. um we have, to we have to keep moving yeah. wait real quick before we get any further what's the furthest like like what's the biggest thing you've like accomplished with it um i would say uh well i've been in the american champs twice now i was competed uh, so beatboxing has like a whole tournament system. Yeah. Um. So I uh, I joined a tag team, um, which is like two v two, and um, we submitted 
uh, this guy from New York who I'm good friends with. Um, and so we did that twice um, where we submitted, got in. We we didn't make it past the first round either time, but <laughs> um, it was it was really fun. Like I I I just had a lot of fun with it. I yeah I um is it I, invite I, only though? Like, do you have to be invited or? You have to, I would say like audition basically. So you submit a video, it's a wild card system. So you make a minute, two minute video and submit it. And then they have the judges who are all like professional, internationally mm-hmm. ranked and they go through the videos and they choose their eight favorites. Oh, and so the so- fact that you even made it is crazy. <laughs> yeah. So they'll like, yeah. So they, we got chosen twice. Um, So that was pretty fun. And like, I, you know, got to meet like all my favorite beatboxers, which is always, <laughs> always good. Um, yeah. Sick. Yeah. So yeah, I just, I, I, I got to run. I ran, well, I co-hosted. I wasn't the one who ran it, um, but I co-hosted um, the, uh, the East coast battles twice also, um, which is like the regional, um, mm-hmm. Which was also really fun. Um, the second time I was much less involved, but um, still did like some of the marketing and that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, that was just really cool. Like I always like meeting people. Um, a lot of times, like the beatboxing scene online can be very aggressive, and mm-hmm. I find that the in-person scene is much, much less like aggressive and 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 it's much more positive. Um, people are just kind of happy to be there. So <laughs> I liked, <laughs> I was just like any excuse to actually meet people in person versus online was just like mm-hmm. always good. <laughs> so I mean, now I can, now I have a whole nother stuff to talk about. With <laughs> yeah. Beatboxing. Like, yeah. Have you ever seen those videos online where people like randomly beatbox in front of people and like they flip out and they like have these crazy reactions? Yeah. Yeah, I have, like, mixed feelings. I think, like, a lot of those viral videos um, is how people get interested in the art form. So it's, uh, like, I got interested through, like, Greg Patillo, who I wouldn't necessarily say is, like, a good beatboxer. He's, like, he's okay, but he's not, like, particularly (laughs) great. But, like, he had viral... (laughs) But he had... No, I would would cry if I ever met him. I love him. <laughs> um he had a bunch of viral videos. He went on iCarly, like, and mm-hmm. um he had a lot of great success. Um I actually bought some of his sheet music, like, because he was a beatbox flutist. So I bought some of his beatbox Oh, he's that sheet. guy? Yeah, he's the beatbox flutist. What? Yeah, yeah. So And so I, then you were like, Oh, I'm a flutist. Yeah, and now I can was beatbox. Literally it. I, okay, so I can you beatbox and flute at the same yeah. time. Yeah, I can. Um, oh but I, yeah, that's how I got into it. Was right, we have to end with that, okay? <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, I like. I was just like, I really like. I really want to do this, and it was it was a viral video, so I started learning, and like that's how a lot of people find out. With like, um, I think Odeza's one of them that did a lot of reactions, like Codfish. And so they do a lot of these reactions and it's great because the viral videos make people interested. Yeah. yeah, And want to try it. Um, But I also, it's, it's a double edged sword because then it also makes beatboxing look more of like a party trick than like actual serious art form that can produce really great music. Um, But you know, it's, it's kind of a, 
I can't really diss it too much because that's how I got interested. Yeah. But yeah, there is a, a lot of people, especially with TikTok, uh, it's very popular now. There's a lot yeah. of very famous TikTok beatboxers who I won't name who are very artificial and like um, can't actually beatbox, who are famous for being beatboxers and it's like it's like they, it's like you're not being shown the best of the best you're only showing yeah. what it's like it's like since i have nothing no clue like you doing this i could think you're like the most amazing beatboxer yeah but you're only I'm, semi-professional I'm like, and there's yeah, like I'm way not. better people but i'm not going to be exposed oh, yeah. to that because they're on the media I, I get what you're saying yeah yeah but there's a lot of people that like um you see like a lot of you know people who are like oh my god they're the best in the world and they're actually not even close and like yeah. I think I think for me, if people if those kinds of people who make a lot of viral videos with beatboxing could be a bit more honest with the content that they put out there, I think for me, I would have no problem with it at all. But well, that's the thing yeah, is, right? The like ego if, for me. <laughs> like, the thing is, though, I don't think there's a problem with it as long as, like, if someone like professional decided to do it as well, like they're obviously going to blow them out of the water. So like, yeah. So like if someone who was professional to go into beatboxing, like I think they would grow way faster than anyone who's done it and is now kind of famous for beatboxing, just because you can see the different like levels of beatboxing in itself. Right. So that like, that's, that's, I mean, that's in every aspect of life, right? You have the people who are content creators, like even basketball players, soccer players, like, there's a guy who's like a goalkeeper and he all he does is content. So like ever it looks like he's sick at, at soccer, but then when he plays professionally, he's nowhere close to the top goalkeeper, right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's that same thing. And I also want to make clear, I, I, I mentioned like Odeza and Codfish and those guys earlier. Those are not the people that I'm talking about. Those guys are professional the beatboxers. Yeah. Like they're codfish is one multiple like world titles. Like he's awesome. I've met him in person. I think he's a really cool guy. Um, but Clout. yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, I doubt he knows that he remembers me. It was, it was years ago, but, um, but like, yeah, like if, and if you're in the, if you beatbox, you know who I'm talking about, like, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I, 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 I agree with what you're saying. I, I think as I've gotten older, I've had less of an issue with the viral beatboxers and, and stuff. Um, I think. Yeah, I, less and less of an issue, but I think it would still be nice if those guys, you know, gave some recognition where credit where credit is due kind of thing on their, if the, these guys, they have like millions of followers on TikTok and stuff. And like people think what this I'm is hearing, like Alex, the hype. You have to start a TikTok with this. <laughs> no. um, but yeah, like, I don't know. There's, there's really, really I think once you delve into the scene, like what happened with me was I was introduced through the viral videos. I tried out for acapella and it was while I was auditioning for acapella that uh, actual beatboxer walked by and heard me and, and was like, and he couldn't really speak English. Um, and so he was like, Oh, let's just jam. And I was like, okay. And he was like, I thought he was the, the best beatboxer I'd ever heard. Like, I thought he was, like, the best in the world. <laughs> like, he was so good to me. And, like, um, and then he introduced me to other people, and we eventually went to, like, um, we formed what was Boston Beatbox, which was, like, a group in Boston. We did, like, a lot of events and that kind of stuff. Um, 
And like, yeah, it was through all that, like that I got exposed to really amazing beatboxers, like uh, the beatbox house at Jean Shinozaki or um, Codfish or Reaps One. Um, and like, but if, yeah, if it wasn't for the viral videos, I would have never have done all that. So mm-hmm. I, yeah, yeah, I, I can't hate on them. Um, <laughs> so, but yeah, no, it's been fun. It's been a fun, that's like a, a side quest in the main journey of pursuing audio. <laughs> of course. Now feel yeah. free to continue with your hatred towards education and chemistry oh, yeah. at the Boston <laughs> University. <laughs> yeah. No, BU is a time. I, I was, uh, yeah, going back to BU. Um, yeah, I, I BU has a very distinct way of doing their curriculum. Um, it is not for everyone. It certainly wasn't for me. Um, I finished the, I finished my undergrad there. I got my degree, but I, I ended up switching and doing linguistics. Um, and I was going to go into like voice therapy, I think, cause I had done it a few times and I really liked it and I thought I could be good at it. And I still do think I could be good at it, but, um, I was so unhappy with, uh, with like, I don't know. I was just so unhappy there. Um, and like it kind of reached a point where like midway through like my junior year, I started like skipping classes and stuff because I was just so anxious about the fact that I had no idea what was going on. And like, um, yeah, I would like go to office hours and I still wouldn't understand. And then I would just be so anxious that like on the way to class, I would just dive diverge and like go to the library and like hide out there or something and like I had no, I'm not that kind of person like mm-hmm. and people who knew me in college won't believe me when I say this but like I genuinely have never been the kind of person that would like skip class like that's I've never done that and like um but it was just like yeah it was just I don't know it was just really it was not for me at all and like so I midway through my senior year, I kind of hit a inevitable breaking point where for like for so long that at that point I was like, you know, I just got to push through it, just push through it. But things were just getting worse and worse. So I finally like I had to take a couple days off and go home. And, um, you know, I was just telling my parents, I was like, I can't do this anymore. Like, I'm not happy. Like, I feel like I'm trying to be. I'm trying to be someone to please people that like it's not working for me so they were like okay well here's what we'll do (laughs) um like obviously uh you know finish your degree you're so close um which I was going to anyways and then they were like you can you know come back home figure out what you want to do and like get a job (laughs) <laughs> like uh and so I was like that is yeah, all yeah. very fair so I I you know I finished out my degree in linguistics thankfully I my advisor like really really helped me um like just pass school um because I was definitely having issues with you know getting grades and um no he was he was great though he let me take like an incomplete in a class and whatnot and like yeah. Um, really, yeah, just helped me through it. So I graduated uh, over the summer. But what I realized was the linguistics degree program is very short. 
um, like if you want to get a linguistics degree, you could easily do it in like two and a half years. Like it's very, very short. I switched to linguistics my sophomore year. And I, if I didn't have any trouble in school, I could have graduated on time. I ended up graduating over the summer because I had to repeat two classes. But, um, yeah, if, if, if you're academically driven, like that, like you could easily finish in like two years. But, um, so what ling what the degree does is they just make you take, um, a lot of like extra classes. Um, so I, and you have to take a lot of languages and stuff too. Um, but whenever I had like some extra credits to spare, I, I would just sign up for like music and audio classes, like, um, and BU doesn't really have a lot of those. Um, it has a music school, but it's just classical music. Um, but the few kind of modern or audio driven courses that they offered, I would just sign up for. And like I and then that combined with the fact that whenever I would go home for holidays and summers, I was like going to the studio in my town and like interning and like doing work for free basically um although I wasn't he could run the studio without me like um um, he was more just like teaching me stuff like I just kind of was just like I should just do this like this is you know screw going for voice therapy like this is I'm spending all my free time doing this anyways so um I was home I you know, got my, I got my stuff together. I don't know if I'm allowed to swear, but like, um, I try not to, but it's not the end of the world. (laughs) Yeah. I got it together though. I, um, got a portfolio made. Um, the guy from the studio actually sent me like stems from his dad's band in the eighties. They recorded at a professional studio in the eighties and he got the stems digitized. And then he, I, cause I was asking him, I was like, do you think I could record your band um, for my portfolio? And he's like, I'll just send you these ones that I have. And <laughs> I was like, okay, like this is great. <laughs> so I was able to mix that. And I had my friend's band that I recorded. And um, like I sent that to a couple, um, to like four schools. And I had a friend um, who had just, graduated from NYU who um helped me put my portfolio together because I really didn't know what I was doing Mm -hmm. and she like this girl Steph she's awesome she works in live sound and um yeah and then I got into like every all the programs (laughs) (laughs) which I was I yeah I was surprised because my grades were honestly not that great like I in when applying to NYU, I wrote an additional letter. You could submit like additional documents, and I wrote an additional page about like my GPA, basically just like explaining it. And like, <laughs> yeah, it's just like I and they still took a chance and like, yeah, I so I've been I started um, at the end of January, I started. So I've only been in it for like a month now. Um, but like everything about it this time is just different compared to my undergrad. Like the everything from the way that I'm like taking notes is completely different. The mm-hmm. way that I'm staying organized is different. Um, 
like the way that I'm approaching learning is different and like my relationships with my professors, although, and like my classmates and stuff, although it's through Zoom, so it's obviously going to be different. It's just like, I'm still like, even though I'm not with them, I still feel more connected to like my classmates and my professors than when I was in undergrad and I was actually physically in their office, which is just, that's a good sign, I would say. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's yeah. the beauty of finding something you like. Yeah, it really is. It helps that all of my classmates also work in audio and music, so we already have that in common. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, it's 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 good. And it's not easy, for sure. Like, I've never been good at school, ever. Um, like, yeah. But so it's certainly not easy and I've but instead of when things start building up and instead of just freaking out and hiding, I've been like reaching out to professors and like bothering them to help me and like um, or reaching out to my classmates or going to study sessions with my classmates and, and those kinds of things, like really just taking it or like the big thing was I took a leave from work, um, which seemed i think people think it was a was a at work i think people think it was a um impulsive move it was not <laughs> it was something that i really really thought about for like a couple weeks um but i ultimately just had to leave cuz i it was just too much um mm-hmm. but yeah no it's uh it's it's just been this whole time doing it the second time around now. I know what I did wrong the first time. So it's just very different. And I'm no, very no. excited to actually be able to go to campus and stuff. No, that's awesome. I Going back to the class stuff, like all throughout high school, I like hated English class. That was my least favorite class. And like, yeah. that's just because I had this mindset that I sucked at it. And it's not even that I changed my mindset, but once I got to college and I feel like once you're in college and you're doing like English stuff specifically, like you're doing stuff on interesting things that are interesting to you rather than like interesting to the class and the curriculum and stuff like that. Yeah, that's a big thing. Like I even got to write a whole page on like religion and how I view religion. And like you never really get to do that in high school, which I totally feel like it should be like. I'm, I also took art classes because I really enjoy drawing. I hate painting, but I love drawing. But it kind of got frustrating in an in art class that you weren't really like they would give you such like guidance of what you have to make rather than making it open ended. Like I'd rather, you know what I'm saying? Like art yeah. shouldn't be graded on a per- person's perspective of it. Yeah, that's just my opinion. Like. Like we would have to draw like a contour of apples, right? Oh, I and then we get judged on our contours, and it's like, but what if like it's not like? Then when I paint it, I paint like really big sections, Mm -hmm. and so like I have friends who like were really good at like making fine details, but I'm the type of person I like see the bigger picture. So when you draw back, it still looks good, but it's like the teacher like gave me worse grade because it wasn't as good or it wasn't the good contour or the lines were just slightly bad or something, and it's like. That's not what art is, in my opinion. Art is just an expression. So Yeah, I think I definitely see both sides to that. Like, I think it depends on the context for, for me because, um, like, for example, like beatbox competitions, it, it is graded on numerical scale. You're ranked. There is a point system to it. Um, 
And like, but there's also another case, I think, um, where I think, okay, to organize this, I think if you're making art for the sake of making art, leave your criticism constructive or not leave it at the door. Like it's, if it's art for the sake of art, if it's just supposed to be for fun, like who, you know, like who cares if, if it's not exactly to color theory or like whatever, but if it's, if you're making art for a professional context, obviously you need to be graded and stuff. Like I see this a lot. I I'm a really big reader. I love reading like, and I do beta reading sometimes. And, um, like there's a difference like when I go to like beta is like the editing that happens before you bring the book to an editor and Mm -hmm. like for for a lot of beta work it's like um well I see this a lot with um a lot of online writing spaces where people will try to give criticism on people's work that they've already put out there so someone will post a chapter online and then you'll see people try and give criticism but it's like the person hasn't asked for it so it's like why are you why are you critiquing this work they didn't ask you where if someone if i offer to beta someone's work and they say sure then in that case they have asked me for critique and therefore i'm going to give it but if i'm just reading a a book unedited or not if i'm just reading something for fun i'm not going to start critiquing the grammar like they haven't asked for it and it's the same with like music or whatever like i put so on like a alt account online i put a lot of for fun stuff out there it's not perfect like i know it's not perfect it's not trying to be perfect like i'm just doing it for fun but i don't want your criticism like I, even though I work in audio and I, I've done professional music, I don't want to hear it. Like, <laughs> this is just for fun. But, like, if I'm in my classroom, yeah. like, I'm in specific, like, I'm in my electronic music class, I want my teacher to critique my electronic piece. I want her to critique my synth because I'm, pay- I'm paying her to do that. <laughs> so, I think, like, a lot of yeah. the... Oh, it's true. it's true. I think a lot of, like, where public education and art um kind of misses the mark is that middle school and stuff art class should be about getting kids excited about art and so doing these kind of heavy critiques it's like even though you're in the classroom setting that's not really the the a good place for it because these are kids that aren't artists they're not in a professional context they're not trying to be you should just be trying to get them excited about the medium like save your critiques and being for, themselves yeah exactly save your critiques for your higher level honors art students like you know exactly like i was taking like an intro to drawing and like i get like you want to teach me how to draw like i don't have a problem with like specific parts and like learning about the contours i think that's important but like how the way i see the class and how it should be run in most art classes and digital media class and audio stuff is they should be teaching you skills and then your final project should be an expressive thing rather than another yeah. thing that's critiqued. You know what I mean? Oh, like yeah. you've learned all yeah. this cool stuff. You should be able to express yourself through all the cool things. That's how I see it. But yeah, I just keep remembering what types, <laughs> what was the one uh, piece that your flute playing made into Disney? Oh yeah. So um, I was, 
um, a flute, the flutist for um, one of the short circuit films. So like Disney does a lot of experimental shorts and they have like a ton of them in their arsenal. And then they basically just, you know, they do like in a pre-pandemic time, they would release um, short shorts before their animated movies on in theaters. Mm-hmm. Um they make a bunch of them and then they just pick the ones that they either think will fit the theme of the movie the best or they just like it the best. Um, so that mm. means that they have a lot of shorts that they don't use um, and they'll enter those into like film festivals and that kind of thing, but they don't really hit theaters. Um, so yeah. every few years they just com- compile them all. And now that Disney Plus is out, they've just released them online. So my short was um, was called Elephant in the Room, and um, it was released. Um, I think it was going to be released. Bef- it was like I I don't want to say for certain, but I think um, like two years ago it was in the lineup of potential shorts, and I th- mm-hmm. um, I think it was in the era that if. If you're a fan of Disney shorts, you might remember the like dumpling short with like the the Asian mom, like she makes a dumpling and the yes, whole thing. I remember yeah. that one. Yeah, that it was, was a cute one. It was really awesome. Like I'm super glad that one made it into theaters. But I think it was a part of like in that year of shorts. Like that's when ours was like in the lineup. But um yeah, so it ended up being released in um the 2020 short circuit um films, which is on Disney Plus. And I think ours is like episode like 12 or 13 mm. or something. But it's really cool. Like um, the elephant in the room, I think, was the only short in that series that had like original music. I saw someone say this online. So don't if I'm wrong about that, then the person <laughs> blogging is wrong. <laughs> but um, yeah, and it was um, the guy that directed it is he's done. He's like a animator for Disney and he's done like a ton of work with I think he was one of the animators like leads for like Frozen and um like a bunch of like really big movies um so he's done a ton of stuff for them um and yeah so I did the flute for that um uh piece and it was very I like loved I love the song like genuinely I think the song is awesome but I like I did it in the studio and then this was like two three years ago and then I didn't get to hear it for like two years um because they don't it's disney they don't send you a copy of the song yeah so i didn't get to hear it and then when they did the screening of it um i was away i wasn't i i can't remember Ooh. where what was i was but they did like a screening at like some film festival i think and like i couldn't go so i genuinely and then even worse i they eventually did release it in theaters but it was only in california and I was actually in California. I was in California for, um, I think, a wedding. Um, and two days after I got home, th- it told. went to theaters. And oh. <laughs> I didn't know. If I had known that I was going to be in theaters, I would have just stayed an extra couple days. Of course. Um, yeah. And... Because and the only reason why I knew that was because I got like a check in the mail from Disney, and I was like, I, I don't like 
this I recorded like two years ago. I don't know why I'm getting a check. <laughs> it was because it was from the theater ticket sales. So I um so that's when I looked it up because I was like something must have happened with this film that I got paid for. You it, weren't informed though. And no, it's very. I was very bottom of the ladder, so Ooh. no communication. But did they did they tell you about the screening at the film festival? Yeah, least? they did. Um, the audio engineer that I recorded with told, invited me, and I was I can't remember what I was doing that day, but I just couldn't um go to Boston. So Dang, that sucks. Yeah, so I genuinely like didn't see it until it went on Disney Plus. So, um, like, yeah, but at least you get to see it now. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. But I was like, yeah, it was it was cool. I got to see it with everyone else. <laughs> but um, and then that was like also the first time in like two years that I actually got to hear the song. And even when I was in the studio, I did. I it wasn't the finished product. It was like the partially made song. So a few things like mm-hmm. changed about it um, that I just from my memory that like I was like, oh, I don't remember this when I was in the studio. But um, like the song came yeah. out amazing. Like it sounds so good. So um, genuinely uh, big props to everyone that worked on it. You made me sound way well, better I have to than give I a am. Listen, though. <laughs> and I think um, from what I remember, my flute um was missing a pad in one of the keys, the A flat key, and which you only use A flats in like a, you know a couple. It's only A flat. Only if the key that you're playing in uses that note, that's the only time you ever press that button on a flute. And the the song did use the A flat. Disney, come on. So I uh, I think when I was playing, every time I would press the button, you would hear a tiny click. So I don't know if if the microphone just didn't pick it up or if they mm-hmm. edited it out, but it didn't. I I was listening for the click and I didn't hear it. So <laughs> I was just like, uh, I've since gotten my flute fixed, but um, I just remember uh, that happening and I was like, ah, oh, shit, because um, it wasn't just me. They like hired a couple people for the part and you basically you didn't know like they could have not used you at all so I think it was me and there was like an oboe I think and I also did piccolo so I think they just wanted to try out a few instruments and see what they liked and Mm -hmm. so you recorded the whole section and then you know they could use you they could not they you could use you for like a bar and use someone Mm -hmm. else the rest of the time so but they ended up going with the flute for the whole thing not because I'm an amazing player. They hey. just like the sound. <laughs> but um, they didn't use the piccolo at all. But um, but well, that check would have been bigger. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like uh, so yeah, it was also that like when I um heard it, I didn't know like how much of me they used, if at all. Um, so the, yeah, it was just really it was cool to listen to and to kind of be like, oh, they used me for every all of the parts that i recorded no, that's sick that's yeah sick. yeah it was really um, awesome so we're coming to the end i know it's i don't want to cut it off but oh yeah we're coming <laughs> to the end um two things one i like to end all the podcasts obviously you know because you edit them but yeah you know some wise words from alex and then it would also be really sick if you would uh flute beatbox at the end sure yeah, if you don't mind. 
I can grab it. Yeah. Yeah, and you could just edit it, you know? Just yeah. Like- <laughs> yeah, I'll just I'll just make it sound like it happened sequentially. Um yeah. So yeah, take it away. Okay. Um, I think this wise word from my parents, via my parents. I don't think they made up this quote, but uh they just say it a lot. Um, which is um Find what you love to do and then find a way to get paid to do it. Um, And I think that is so much better than do what you love because doing what you love is not always the most financially stable thing. So for me, the big theme of my life now um, that I'm back in school is obviously I love working on audio and I love working in music. I also want to have stable finances and healthcare and dental and those kinds of things. So for me, like finding a way to be profitable and to be stable from the thing that I like to do, um, I think is, I agree with my parents, is definitely the best way to go about um, life and being an adult. I'm certainly no expert. I am just starting out, but uh, I they they said this to me like my whole life, and I think it just really took on a new meaning in the recent past two years. So, yeah, those are my wise words. 